0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and Derek talk G League news, G League Ignite, and more NBA news. with another episode of the Front Office Podcast. I am pleased to be joined uh, by Sean Ganttworker again. What's up, Sean? How you doing today, buddy? Talk about some college. Uh, I sure do like what Juwan Howard's doing in Michigan. Um, Gonzaga's still killing, it seems like, but I love what Jawan Howard's doing in Michigan. Uh, I really do, too. Um, which I think makes what Illinois did to them yesterday right. all the more impressive. Like, if taken
1: Howard, a year and a half, some things turn around this program, like, I don't think there's a question that what Baylene did was, was wonderful, but Juwan Howard... Being that throwback to the Fab Five era added a kind of a new attitude to this team and I think the recruits are coming and the execution on the court is coming so it's really, really fantastic to see Big Ten basketball back in a big way and to see Juan Howard who I think is just a great guy be rewarded for his years of hard work and assisted coaching.
0: Yeah, Ill- um, Illinois put a smackdown on them yesterday but uh, you know, I still think that they may get a, a- one of the top four seeds in in the tournament, uh, Baylor beat West Virginia, which is a little, um, which was not surprising, but I think that that kind of just separates them West Virginia from being in the, uh, final four or the top four brackets of the seeding. But we'll be looking forward to a lot of March madness coming up soon. We'll have a, definitely a special on our March madness picks, but just wanted to shoot Jawan Howard, to fab five. I I wonder if he and Chris Weber, will ever. uh, um, um, or Jalen Rose and Chris Weber will ever uh, sit down and talk kind of a la what Kobe and Shaq did on NBA TV and what Isaiah and Magic did. I would love to see uh, the Fab Five sit there and have like a real conversation between them. I would too. I mean, I was
1: hopeful when the documentary came out a couple years ago that that would be, you know, the moment. And then when University of Michigan played Louisville, it just, I think there's a lot of ego involved. I think there's a lot of bad memories. I think the timeout bothers Chris Webber uh, more than he cares to talk about. And I don't think Jalen Rose's uh, uh, talkativeness helps. Like, I, I love Jalen Rose. I think he's a great commentator. But I don't think he's really been a great friend. And uh, I think he needs to realize that and talk to Chris Webber off the air rather than trying to uh, go through the media to uh, bridge this gap.
0: Yeah, we'll touch on that one more time. I, I, I kind of, someone's feelings are very hurt between Jalen and Chris Weber. And I think it's Chris Weber's. Um, I'm not sure. I think Jalen Rose has extended olive branches. I think Jawan, uh, Howard, Jimmy King and Ray Jackson are probably just caught in the middle. Um, but I think Jalen probably, it's just, it's just amazing that they're both in the same, um, landscape, uh, pre-retire, I mean, after retirement and, they have to be crossing paths in some capacity, but I would love to see Jalen and Chris kind of, you know, mend that it was funny seeing that, uh, or that Chris Weber did an article the other day about how he wanted to be the GM and they gave the position to Vladi and not that it was anything slightly to Vladi, but you know, um, it's just, I I hope that those guys can kind of get it together. Um, moving on to, to the big boys, uh, the NBA, um, well, let's, no, let's, let's backtrack a little bit to the G League. Um, the bubble is still continuing. Um, the G League at night looks like, you know, they've come back down to earth, you know, really fast. I think uh, some of those older guys have kind of, uh, um, you know, put a little old man game on them um, and not allowing them to just come in there and just do what they want. So I'm, what are you thinking about the G League bubble and how that's going on?
1: Basketball-wise, I think it's been an unmitigated success. For, for the league, uh, I think it, it was really great seeing these kids come out with a, with a hot start, you know, and, and almost dominating. Uh, but, like, as you said, uh, eventually the old veterans and uh, underestimated college kids who, uh, who make up the G League uh, kind of got angry and they started challenging the G Leaguers a little more and uh, the Ignite a little more. And I think that's to uh, these kids' benefits. And the fact that they are getting stacked in the mouth now by guys like uh, Timo Shifu, you know, and even guys who were drafted, uh, like Vernon Carey and and, uh, Moses Brown. Uh, This is going to be a formative experience for these kids. And uh, I think when the G League produces these guys and they go into the draft, we're really going to see these guys are more prepared than ever to just immediately contribute. And that's a testament to this experiment working.
0: You know, I'm, I'm actually happy to see... That the, the Ignite are, are struggling a little bit. Can you imagine if they just ran through the, the bubble undefeated um, coming into the NBA and, and starting to lose every other night? You know, I'm, I'm glad that they came out hot. Uh, they came out like thinking that they just owned the land and then the rest of these guys. Um, kind of show them that oh no 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 we're coming out in this draft too like you said the Vernon carries of the world um, I'm loving what I'm seeing with Paul Reed like you mentioned before the two Kings guys uh, Robert Woodard of Austin and Jameis Ramsey of Agua Caliente I think they're all just, just kind of just doing very well in, in this bubble
1: yeah um, I think what we forget is just how weird this bubble experience is, is. and uh, mainly that this really unite team has been functional in this form more or less for like six months they've been practicing together uh brian shaw's been doing a wonderful job with them but you have these other teams that you know they they arrived maybe a week before the game uh had to quarantine some guys are getting sent up some are coming down you've got like nico Mannion and all mm-hmm. the warriors guys who are uh, up and out so i wonder if the g league was just ready i mean excuse me the ignite guys we're just ready faster than everybody else. And once the rest of these guys got their C legs, C- legs it became more competitive. Uh, but like you said, I think the quality of basketball is uh, significantly higher uh, than it was in the past. In the past, we could delineate a quote-unquote potential NBA player for a guy that was just flat out dominating the G League. And I think that's gonna get a little bit harder now that the G League is more talented. There's less dilution. And the fact that you have guys Like these these young kids, and then guys like uh, Moses Brown just dominating, it suggests that uh, there's a next level, you know, uh, a step up. And these kids aren't going to be taken advantage
0: of as much as they were in the past. You know, Moses Brown, I think he came out as his freshman year out of UCLA, and then he kind of sat down. um, You know, he, he wasn't in the rotation at all or anything like that, this G League bubble was probably the best thing to happen to him, because I don't know if he would have been in that rotation. Same thing with Poku. OKC has two nice, young, serviceable bigs, that I think they can kind of start moving forward with the with the uh, amount of picks that they have going forward. Um, I also... I am a little worried about Poku, to, to interrupt real quick, because as much as we invest in stats in the G
1: League about domination, uh, Poku, I mean, all the same struggles. Like, he's young, and I wouldn't write him off, but... All the struggles that happened in the NBA are happening to the G League. The
0: turnovers, the lack of shooting. So he's a question mark for me, but continue with your. Yeah, Sean, the thing about Poku is I think because he came from the system in Europe, and I think because of his age, I'm not really willing to give up on him yet. I think he, he's going to serve in the G League probably another year, which is fine for him. I would think this is his high school senior year. That's how I'm looking at Poku. I think another year in the G League, go in there and dominate for half the season. Now they bring Moses Brown up to the Thunder. Um, And I think that Poku might be um, um, in line to probably do some things in another year or so. I completely agree on that. I don't think You know the uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers, where where Kevin Porter Jr. is playing. I think he's he. It was so wonderful for him to go down there uh, and and get seasoned. You know, he had one year at USC. You know, and pretty much this is his second year. You know, he's averaging twenty four a game uh, with with the Vipers. Um, I love what what Kenyon Martin Jr. is doing with the Vipers. This is the perfect. I, I just hope that this can continue to go in a direction with the G League. Um, the Warriors, uh, speaking of, are in first place. Uh, the Erie BayHawks have five guys from the Wizards on there, so they're they're in second place with ten and three records. Let's talk about the Santa Cruz Warriors. Um, Jeremy Lin is in the news a little bit, and uh, he, you know he was being called a certain thing. Um, that you know, he was being called a derogatory name and, and some things come out what, what's your take on that? for me, I applaud Jeremy Lin as well. I think that he should it's not like he should have let it slide. It's not like someone said something derogatory to him and he's supposed to just be like, no, I'm not supposed to say that. I do appreciate the fact that you know, he said, I'm not here to name names and slander anyone or things like that, you know, because that doesn't do anything. I, I applaud Jeremy Lynn because, you know, I, I'm in the Bay Area and, and you know, I've been hearing about attacks here in San Francisco and New York reversed.
1: I, I agree. Um, I, I actually have a question for you, though. Go ahead. Uh, regarding Jeremy Lynn's follow up statement where he said, I'm not going to name names. How do you feel about that in reflection to like kind of stitching culture and just that do you feel it was important for Jeremy Lin to get his message out and then be like, yeah, but don't investigate this further. I'll take care of it myself. Like, how do you how do you kind of draw the line here? I don't
0: think there's an easy answer. and I'm throwing this at you. I'm just interested in your thoughts. That's a great question. Here's what I think about that. I think Jeremy Lin is saying it's bigger than this person. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than, you know, this G League guy. You know, it's it's what am I going to do in his career? Have people start sending him hate mail? Have people blowing up his timeline? Why would I want to ruin his life by saying that about him? So Jeremy Lynn is actually taking the, the you know, they go low, we go high. Like I can show you better than I can tell you sometimes. I don't have to end someone else's life to get my message across. I'm just getting the message across. You don't have to investigate this. I bet he never says that again. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm looking at it from Jeremy Lin. The guy who ever said it, I bet he won't say it again. I, I hope so, too. And I hope that kind
1: of sensibility is taken into the regular at large, uh, regular world at large. Uh, we don't make the meet and make a, a new soapbox.
0: know i think that here's what i think i think jeremy lynn's going to find himself playing for the g league ignite for the next 10 years um because he'll he won't be called upon to necessarily play to win games he'll be called upon to teach the young guys that'll be coming up um for the one year you know, like what Jared Jack is doing for those guys, you know, uh, what Amir Johnson is doing for those guys. Um, I think Jeremy Lin is more about teaching now. He, You know, he, he's, he's a different cat, and, and it's, hasn't, it's never been about basketball for him. It's been about Harvard. It's been about, okay, basketball worked out, but now it's about, okay, now it's education. And it's always been education for him. And I think that Jeremy Lin is creating a lane for him where he can, he can teach people how to interact together. Because basketball is, a, is an international sport, and, and everyone you don't even have to speak the same language. If there's a ball there and two guys and they know what to do with it, you don't have to say one word to each other. And, and I think Jeremy Lynn can hop on with LeBron James and kind of tackle tackle things together. Uh, I, I think so, too. I, I think at the
1: end of the day, like I don't think it particularly matters who you are or what you look for. If uh, you are passing a playground one day, no matter where you are, and you see a couple guys lacing up with a ball, with a ball, you know, and a hoop, you just walk in,
0: right? That's it. And immediately you are a team. It it doesn't matter what you
1: look for uh, as long as you're in the right place, but you can just go on a run. And if someone passes you the ball, you pass it to somebody else, you shoot, you assist. Uh, Metaphorically, it's absolutely brilliant, but at the end of the day basketball is more than just a sport, and we're recognizing that more
0: and more, and uh, Jeremy Lin is a wonderful ambassador uh, for that. Definitely. Basketball is a sport, and basketball is a business. Let's get to the big boys. The Atlanta Hawks fired Lloyd Pierce. Um, The Hawks seem like they're in trouble and just can't get it together. I do love the fact, and I'm going to give you your kudos. You said that Nate McMillan would be coaching those Hawks. You said that months ago before... Uh, I think the talks even went on a, a slide. Um, Travis Slink has his hands full. Uh, he's probably feeling a little. His seats getting a little warm too. Um, what's up with with Atlanta? I think that uh, uh, I don't know what's going on with them.
1: I think uh, they more than perhaps more than anybody else were just hit hard by injuries. They they simply haven't gotten their guys on the same basketball basketball court, uh, but. I don't think we should look at that as that valid of an excuse. Um, I feel terrible, really, for Mr. Pierce because he was sold
0: by Travis Schlenk and the media a team that would be both young and old, right? Right. Uh, Trey Young, DeAndre
1: Hunter, Kevin Richter, uh John Collins, and then you're getting Clint Cavella back a couple weeks in the season. Uh, Bogan, Gallinari, Rondo, you have a wonderful offseason, except catastrophically— it just doesn't work out like that. Trey Young has played 33 games. Kevin Herder and John Thompson have played 35. Clint Capella has a 32. Everybody else other than Solomon Hill, who is a fringe rotation player, is well under the 30 mark. And uh, Cam Reddish has regressed horribly. Uh, Chris Dunn right now looks like a waste of a signing. Oneko Okongu, I frankly don't know what the usage is there. Um, I don't know if there's more behind the scenes but the fact that he's um, barely registering 10 minutes for that team is, is deeply troubling and uh, in terms of regression and the fact that Trey young has now
0: I, I still have the, the standing offer for the Atlanta Hawks of Bradley Bill for Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Okonwu, and two first-round picks. You know, Cam Reddish has regressed. They have tons of firepower. I think it's—and I said this before in a past episode—Gallinari and Bogdanovich are going to stunt the growth of DeAndre Hunter and— Cam Reddish. And the reason being is because the money that they put behind them, those guys have to play. And I think Trey Young is going to be Trey Young and he's jacking up shots, but he's making some of them. Um, you love Trey Young or you hate Trey Young. Um, he and the fiasco with John Collins in the locker room, you know, I just think that it seems like Vince Carter might have been the best, better stand there. Maybe they should have put him on that bench, you know. Um, but if anyone can get this team together, I do believe is Nate McMillan. I think the pedigree that Nate McMillan you know, comes from, the different teams that he's had, I think Nate McMillan can get inside these guys a little bit differently than what Lloyd Pierce can do.
1: I mean, I, I completely agree. I think Nate McMillan is, uh, if there was a word I could use to describe him, it's simply steady. He's um, mature, he's experienced, he's been there before. I don't believe in the long run he's a championship level coach. But when you're the Atlanta
0: Hawks And you're so, so young I don't think that truly matters Sean, are you calling the, him Are you calling him the black Sarah, Gary St. Jane?
1: Well, maybe Maybe like the black Doug Collins
0: Oh, yes. right? yeah, right? yes
1: mean, I mean, let's look at it this way He is a 52% uh, Percentage winning coach uh, Regular season That's wonderful Five seasons with Seattle Seven seasons with Portland Four seasons with Indiana
0: is he Don I mean, Nelson? Bad. Is he Don Nelson?
1: Maybe, but Don Nelson had more of a gimmick, you know? Nathan McValen just runs a very professional approach. Um, a very uh, point guard-oriented attack, you know, a lot of peek-and-roll. Don Nelson could adapt, run it down your throat, but at the end of the day, the adjustments he refused to make, I think, killed him. And I think the same is true for McMillan, but not in a terrible way. Right. I think Nate McMillan is your you know, your 41-41 coach. Mm. And when you get to the playoffs, look no further than the fact that he's a 32% winning percentage. Uh, that won't cut it. But let's talk about the Hawks, who, uh, for the majority of the last decade, were frankly that 500 team. And I think in their eagerness to get away from that and take that next level, in moving on from uh, Larry Drew, and mm-hmm. then you move to the Buddenholzer situation, mm-hmm. jumping over to Lloyd Pierce, and um, I think they went a little bit too far in the other direction. I think Lloyd Pierce is a great guy with a really good pedigree. I'm not. I, I think the proof is in the pudding in that the team didn't put it together. And I think Dave McMillan is them acknowledging the fact that they want to go back into being that steady, easy as it goes team. Let these kids learn how to play before really going, you know, ball to the wall, let's throw a lot of money at the, maybe the next the next big
0: thing. See, I think that OKC is on that trajectory. I think that um, with Dort, Baisley, hopefully they can land Imani Bates in a couple years. They might get fortunate enough to get Evan Mobley. Um, you know, we love what Moses Brown is doing. If, if, if you say Poku's not going to make it, then Mobley might be the guy to man that center with Brown backing him up. You know, um, I, I think that Atlanta had that window. And I think when they decided to go get Bogey and, and Gallinari, I think it kind of changed trajectory on what they were trying to do, trying to fast forward their life. And I think instead they kind of messed it up a little bit um, because Okonwu is, is he's, he's concerning to me as well, getting five, six minutes a game. And what we thought he was going to be, you know, Capella is just not giving up that spot, which is awesome, or it could be the development of Okonwu. Exactly, and that's what you and I
1: are talking about. Clint Capella is 26 years old. They gave up a a first-round pick for him. It was essentially 18 months to get him back on the court. And he has truly been spectacular. He's, I think, probably the best player on that team. Mm. Uh, I I recognize Troy Young is spectacular, but his defense is a liability. Uh, What Clint Capella has done for that team statistically is, and just in terms of giving them uh, the ability to let John Collins flow towards the perimeter has been invaluable. Valuable. That being said, when this team, is this team ready to win a championship right now, right? Mm. Uh, if that's the case, you absolutely go all in on Capella. you get uh, Bogdanovich, you get Gallo, and you let these guys play significant minutes. But mm. in doing so... You also recognize that that doesn't work. You can't have it both ways. And the fact that we're still trying to slot a lot of these guys into the rotation while throwing pity minutes to a Quang Wu, right. to, a, to a Bruno, to Skyler Mays, the fact that Tony Snell and Solomon Hill are playing significant minutes, it's, uh, I think it's indefensible. And I think it's what you and I were worried about, right? I think you, you me, and everybody else thought this Hawks were smart to do what they did with some caveats. And it's been the worst case scenario because Mm -hmm. these rotations are just awful. They're just terrible. And hopefully if McMillan figures it out, it is able to honor the fact that, yeah, you went all in on some veterans, but you still got some kids that
0: just need to play. That's it. And uh, Okwango needs to get about 15 minutes for the rest of the year. And they need to get Cam Reddish healthy uh, and playing, or uh, I think it's been a failure of of a last off season. You know, Two teams that have made their jump I knew one of them were the Miami Heat I knew they weren't going to stay dormant too long But the Toronto Raptors are kind of woken up A little bit too Pascal Siakam seems to be um, The Pascal from a couple years ago I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from Toronto and Miami
1: Uh, I'm on the same page I actually had a
0: question for you Go ahead, Um, give it to me
1: Regarding the Raptors Mm -hmm. um, They obviously started off slow I think a lot of that We can't look look strongly enough about what having to relocate to Tampa Bay and
0: I think that um, the Raptors know that this is the last year with Kyle Lowry. So, Kyle Lowry is not in their long-term plans going forward, but because he's getting older, I think Kyle Lowry is on some... I'm in the last year of my deal. Get me somewhere, like Philly, home, whatever. I can re-sign there with them and retire with, with that team. And maybe Toronto is, is on the other end thinking, you know, we make and get a squeeze of first-round pick out of this. You know, so I think both of them are kind of like looking at getting, trying to get Kyle. Toronto's not winning anything else. Okay, let's be clear about that. Yes. So um, to get Kyle in the first round to get beat by a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn, it doesn't serve any purpose. You know, I might as well get him to Philly where he can try to win a little more and try to squeeze my out my future and start building around Pascal right now. That's what I think about it.
1: I think what worries me, and I completely see that, and I think the fact that he has an expiring contract,
0: mm-hmm. who
1: could demand a pretty nice haul, is important. Yeah. But for me, it's about how this team has positioned itself over the last
0: couple of years, and to its own detriment, right? Right. Um, I think they read the Kawhi Leonard situation perfectly. Yep. That's uh, how you got to do. That's how you got to do it. <laughs>
1: exactly. But didn't they try to replicate that this last couple off seasons? So Kawhi Leonard walks away. That's fine. You don't really get much for him. But you know what? You traded Demar Derozan and Jake and Jake Odel. Okay, you won a championship. It was worth it.
0: Yes. And yet here we go. So here is their young core. Next year, Pascal Siakam is
1: twenty-seven years old. Okay, he can still get better. I think he still will. Fred Fleet will be twenty-eight. Norman Powell will be 28. Chris Boucher will be 29. OG will be 24. I think that's the guy you look at, right? Right. as As your best hope. Mel Flynn, 23, doing okay in the D in the G League, which doesn't mean anything. Right. And then you have your question marks. You have Terrence Davis, who may long term be a rotation piece. I don't know. No. Let's say Let's say you move Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, unless you can figure out how to buy him out, and I don't think they will because as you said, he's an expiring contract. That's $30 million. So what does that mean? That means if you trade him to the Sixers, you probably have to get either Tobias Harris or a weird package of Danny Green and about six other guys. And then you're going to have a roster of about 23 guys that just have to cut down in that weird salary fluctuation. Let's say they trade him to the Heat. Okay, they can do that. They'll have to include um, Andre Iguadala for two years, uh, Kelly Olenek for about two years, and then probably another weird contract before getting about maybe Chris Dunn, uh, Chris Nunn, excuse me, and maybe Tyler Harrow. So, who else has money is, is what I'm worried about. Okay. And where does that leave the Raptors long term?
0: Here- Do they dump them
1: to the Cavaliers for, for drama? No, because the Cavaliers are terrible. Do they do a swap out for Mike Conley? I don't think that. So. I don't think the Jazz do that. I think they're in a very difficult situation financially. And to get this to work, I mean, maybe your best bet is trying the Warriors and, and begging and trying to get, you know, Oubre and maybe and uh, Wiggins and Wiseman. But just for Kyle Lowry, I'm not no. sure they do
0: that. No. No one really wants Kyle Lowry. Sorry, Kyle. No one wants you. If I was Toronto, I would give... I would take him to to Detroit because Blake's opting into that thirty eight million, first of all, yes. I would I would give him. Hey, let me take Blake Griffin off your hands. I'll take that forty million dollars off your hands and just give me a first, give me a future first. That's all I want for Kyle Lowry. Detroit, yes. Detroit I'm, with Blake an
1: unprotected first and Fiku.
0: Yes, that's what I would do. Yes, you're right because. And then Blake, next year, will buy you out when the time comes. Detroit, they'll buy out Kyle Lowry for the remaining $6 million remaining on this year, whatever, $12 million remaining this year. Not a big deal. They just don't – they get off that Blake Griffin's $40 million deal. That's first and foremost. Um, And then Kyle can then go where he wants to go. Now, he can then go to Miami for the vet minimum this year or one of those teams or even go to Philly for the rest of this year. I think it's going to be one of those things. For Kyle Lowry because Detroit needs to come off of something as well I think that's a good framing I honestly didn't even think about a trade and then a buyout Yes. I think that's a, that's a very plausible idea yes because you have to find somebody right you have yeah. to find somebody who has a contract another year of a bad contract and just get a, get a, a round first rounder for taking on that contract and I think that that would be perfect for, for Detroit as well and Troy Weaver and
1: if I'm Detroit, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to trade up, uh, Lake Griffin, frankly a first, and probably Siku, and just get off that debt money. Yep. Troy Weaver loves spending in free agency. Uh, give him about thirty million of cash to work with, see what he can do. Because uh, and uh, I think Lowry, uh, I think for Lowry that would be wonderful. It's just such an interesting story because. This is a guy that should have a statue outside that arena. Definitely. And I think optically, I think Beside doesn't want to just seem like he's dumping him, right? Right. You don't want to treat this guy like trash. Because even if you tell him to his face, this is not our intention, it still comes across weird. And I think that's from you and I as a former, former PR guys, Optics maybe are, are less important long-term than just getting into a good basketball situation.
0: Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a tough situation. I think that you may see Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan end up in New York next year together.
1: I, I could see that. I mean, frankly, I want to see DeMar DeRozan on the team right now. I think he's excellent. Yes. And I think the Spurs, if they play their cards right, can get a nice haul for DeRozan. But once again, we run into that huge salary issue. But um, what DeRozan is doing, just filling up the stat sheet in, in every possible way, that dude can be a team's engine. And uh, that is unmistakably incredibly important.
0: So San Antonio could do that de, that Warriors deal. They can go to the Warriors and say, you know, we'll take Andrew Wiggins back. You come take DeRozan off our hands and just give us a future first as well.
1: <laughs> I think so, too. But here's the problem, right? Andrew Wiggins is good now.
0: Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's, you're right. He's good. <laughs> yeah. Do we think he's going to regret? I think
1: Oubre is probably what they want to look for. But then you run into the problem that Oubre's expiring. So yeah now you're just spending money to spend money.
0: Yeah, they're, they're um, so keeping are
1: So Yeah, we talk about Wiseman, uh, who I think has been largely disappointing, but I wouldn't give up on him. I mean, the kid's 19, and you and I always say you can't teach size, and yep. he unmistakably has that. Uh, but you run into an issue here where the Warriors are, um, after a very rough start, a good basketball team. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to learn a lot about them in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Now that they are, you know, holding serve with with a lot of the NBA's best, but trading Wiggins long-term is in their best
0: interest. But short-term, keeping Wiggins, I think it's helping them win basketball games. And that's tremendous because I thought Wiggins was just a waste of space, but that dude is playing outstanding basketball, so my compliments to him. You know, two people that I do think Need to be on the move I think both Carl Anthony Towns And D'Angelo Russell need to be moved I think it's time to That's not working any, It doesn't work we, Let's figure it out sooner than later And I think we figured it out You know, two months Three months in Carl Anthony Towns Hey, New York You can have him uh, Deangelo Russell, will send him down to Orlando or something, you know, and I'll just get a slew of picks and build around Anthony Edwards. And hopefully I get the number one pick this year and maybe get Cade Cunningham with Anthony Edwards. And then my backcourt is set for the future. I agree. I mean, um, I
1: don't think it's working. I think if you ask a Timberwolf, there's going to be a huge caveat on the fact that this court, Deangelo Russell or Anthony Towns, uh, and whoever you consider, you know, the third in line, whether it be Malik Beasley, they just haven't played games together.
0: Right. And that absolutely sucks, right? Right. But let me tell you, as
1: a Bulls fan, that was an excuse for about three years uh, with Wendell Carter, Larry Marketing, Zach Levine, and it didn't get it didn't get them anywhere. Right. It becomes an excuse at some point, and the simple fact of the matter to, the matter is they've had. Uh, a couple different coaches, different philosophies, different systems. And the, the culture remains the same. The losing remains the same. Carl Anthony Towns is a wonderful player, but he is not evolving as a player. And I think there's too many people that Chris Finch has to work with right now. There is too many young young people. And when he is trying to give minutes to Naz Reed, to, uh, to uh, excuse me, um, to uh, to to the other to the other
0: bigs. Who's their power forward other than Fernando Gomez? Nazri. at this man. Nazri. Uh, uh, not McLaughlin though. It's
1: uh. God, uh, my screen my screen froze. Regardless, the fact that he's got about six shooting guards that all need minutes, right? Right. Uh, Okoji, Anthony Edwards, Jarrett Culver. He's got three bigs. He's got Ricky Rubio, who is not only contributing nothing right now, but is beginning to talk about the locker room. It's just a whole bunch of nothing. And I hate saying this, but they need to reset again. And they've reset over and over Over again. And And it sucks, right? Mm -hmm. It really sucks because you do Garnett, right? You do Kevin Love, and you do this. And I don't like it. I don't like being like, you have to trade Carl Anthony Towns to get draft picks. But guess what? You do this, you get your draft pick, and you need to build right. And they've built so wrong. Mm-hmm. They feel so, so wrong. So, yeah, it sucks. It's a treadmill. I hate treadmills. But you just gotta do it. You just right gotta way. do it. <laughs> and they screw it up again. And it sucks. Because I like a lot of these pieces, but they are bad together.
0: Definitely. And it doesn't work. <coughs> you can't keep giving Rosas and, and these guys excuses that saying the team's so young. Yeah, it's young, but it sucks. Definitely. It sucks. It sucks bad.
1: And they traded their first round pick to, to the Warriors to compete and it's their numbers they have seven wins it's unforgivable it's not getting any better trade carolanski to towns to a team that either wants to win a championship or become a playoff team because the Timberwolves don't i'm sorry they're an unserious team they're an unserious organization and they need to get better i frankly trade him to the bulls for a whole bunch of first round picks laurie markinen colby white uh wendell carter jr get young and just be smart, right? And let Zach Levine have another top 50 star to maybe push for the playoffs. Or like you said, go to the Knicks, uh, go to the Warriors, but just start over and do it right.
0: I think that they could send D'Angelo to the Bulls um, for their first this year, and I think they can send Carl Anthony Town to the Knicks for their two picks and maybe bring back Obi Toppin. Who knows? You know, um I think that Minnesota has to just hit reset right now. And, and, and the reset is not D'Angelo and Carl anthony Towns, even though they're fairly young. I think that's the old regime, and they got to just kind of move on. Um, sometimes it's, you gotta just, you got to just cut bait. You have to. And we know the guys wanted to play together. ooh, ooh let's bring my best friend over. Let's play together. That's just not going to work. we got to just start that over. We can't do favors for people.
1: I mean, compare this to Oklahoma City... And to realize what a master Sam Presti is. Goodness
0: goodness. Because he has
1: done the same experiment that Rosas has been trying to do. And it keeps working. Yes. This team is about 500 right now. It has Al Horford and George Hill teaching these young kids. Yeah. He's got SGA. Uh, and basically their Carl Anthony Towns, you know. Yeah. Playing well and learning and teaching these young kids. And mm. then he's got guys like Baisley, He's yeah. got Dort. Yeah. He's got Hamadou Diallo all these guys are showing something like you're walking away from a thunder loss feeling very very good what are we doing with these timberwolves games joshua koge is playing 15 minutes uh, jared colver is very playing at all they're being outplayed by jordan norwell who has picked 20 spots after them <laughs> like nance reed is unequivocally probably better than Karl anthony towns right now yeah this means nothing.
0: You're nothing building
1: towards nothing and it sucks, like I don't wish this on them, I think they've got a great fan base and I'm worried about what you know this rebuild could do in terms of this team just flat out moving to Seattle in two or three years but you need to be serious about committing towards the long term you can't give Thibodeau two years to succeed and then kick him out, you can't follow that up by getting a nepotistic hire in Ryan Saunders and then being like, well that didn't work, and then you can't you know, go externally to Chris Finch and then ask him to squ- to fit round holes into square pegs. It's a crappy situation. You've got seven thousand dollars of dead cap and an active active roster cap of about one hundred and twenty eight million. It's a real bad situation, and it's not going to get any easier unless you roll the dice one more time, burn it down, build it back up.
0: And their G League team is the worst in the two eleven and uh. In the oh God, don't get me started on that That's, uh, <laughs> we call we talk about poverty franchises and right. i hate being on record saying that
1: because look i like the jim so i like people who work there there have been occasions where i've asked them to hire me as a freaking employee and i don't want to burn bridges right but i do think there needs to be a level of awareness for employees and, and you know one of the employees that it starts at the top and that there needs to be a recognition that if something isn't working and just because it hasn't worked before, you can't abandon all pretense of trying to compete just because optically it looks bad. And we talk about optics a lot, and we talk about it in almost a hypocritical nature. But the Timberwolves, you can't jump three steps forward, then take two steps back, and then be like, "Well, now we're seven steps ahead, guys. That's awesome." No, 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 no. It doesn't
0: work like that. You know the build thing- and take your time. The thing about it is it kind of reminds me of the Cleveland right before LeBron came back. First they got uh, the first number one pick, Anthony, uh, I forgot his name. You know, the guy from UNLV. Anthony Bennett, yes. yes. Then they got Andrew Wiggins. You know, a couple years before that they had Kyrie Irving. So they had three number one picks. Tristan Thompson was a number four pick in the Kyrie Irving trade. The T-Wolves are kind of going to be the same way. Cat was the number one pick. Wiggins was the number one pick. Anthony Edwards the number one pick. They better hope they get the number one pick this year because that's top three protected. Um, I just don't want them to continue to like screw up either these picks or screw up the direction that they're trying to go. Um, Anthony Edwards, it looks like they have a, a, a good one in him. But now you got to put some. I love Jared Cover and Akoji, but now you got and Nasri. But now you got to put some people behind or around them and kind of build. And I don't think DeAndre Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are. I mean, just ask Jimmy Butler what he thinks. Yes.
1: And let's talk about teams knowing when to to put their chips into the middle, right? Uh, we talked about that this past offseason in terms of the Hawks, and obviously we've seen that with the Hawks. Uh, we talked about that. Um, about knowing your window. And you look at the, the Cavaliers, and while well, I think there was some some stuff behind the scenes that allowed that team to get assets and then let of LeBron course. James be like, I am going to Cleveland. Of
0: course. Same deal with, the, with him going to the Lakers. This is a temporal team that built.
1: And when they had that opportunity to be like, we're going all in, baby, they got Jimmy Butler. And what did they do? They ruined Jimmy Butler's time there. They pissed off Tom Thibodeau, and they they said, you sunk my battleship, get out of here. Right. So what did they do next? They put their chips in once again for D'Angelo Russell. Right. And that means that you are committing to not only Carl Anthony Towns as the player, but as essentially an assistant GM. Yeah. Because you and I both know that D'Angelo Russell is not six feet away from the city of Minnesota if Carl Anthony Towns doesn't say bring him here. Right. And what did they do? They put their chips in. They traded a pick. They traded Wiggins, their last big swing for the fences. And what did they do? They got kicked in the nuts. <laughs> and it's it's and, and and then so what else do you do? Oh, you trade for Malik Beasley and the guy I was forgetting, Jaden
0: McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels out of Washington. And right.
1: you and you cycle back in with the Nuggets. It's once again a team misevaluate at Jared Vanderbilt, who plays well. Yeah. team that with uh, that's led by Carl Anthony Towns and DeAndre Russell, a bunch of, you know, twenty five year olds with a generation that's then nineteen, twenty and twenty one. It's just trying to have it both ways.
0: You, you know, know, it's it's I kinda liken this to next season when Marvin Bagley's contract <laughs> is up. I just hope that the Kings don't max him out just because it's their time to max him out. That's what happened with Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, he's going to leave if we don't um, give him this qualifying offer. Oh, let's just max him out. You don't need to spend money on guys just because their contract is up. Let them go. Try to find a trade. It's not worth putting $150 million into a five-year, $30 million a year into a guy that after a year or two, you're ready to go. You're ready to kick rocks with him. So... That's the same thing with um, okay Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. Okay, we'll try this thing, but to give up a pick in one of the loaded um, draft classes that we've seen in the last few years of next year, it's Cade Cunningham. You might miss out on on Kuminga or, or, or Jalen Green or one of those guys, and it all just for D'Angelo Russell. It just doesn't make sense to me.
1: I think so too, and I think um the I think the greatest the greatest example of what you and I are talking about right now is the Phoenix Suns the gamble James Jones took this past offseason when they win zero in the bubble once again it's your it's our metaphor right you got your chip yep what do you do you have your young core you have Devin Booker you have DeAndre Ayton. how do you make that better you supplement it now what do you do do you ask DeAndre but you ask a Booker if you want to get his best friends on the team because if that's the case, I'm telling you this. Aiden is probably traded for D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Right. If they, if they allowed Devin Booker to make his way, because he is the third Domingo of that Yes, transfer. he is. No. What they did was they said, we've got a guy who shoots the lights out but needs to work off ball. We've got a guy in Aiden who needs to be, who be facilitated to. And then we've got a guy in Cameron Johnson. Mm-hmm. who you give him the ball at three? He's a dead on three point shooter. Mm. So, what did they do, right? Chris Paul. He is, he, if basketball is a musical element, he is, he treats it like an orchestra.
0: Yes, he does. And
1: sure enough, sure enough, Chris Paul has transformed this team. What else did they do? I don't know. Did they uh, get a bunch of 24 year olds to supplement uh, this weird core? No, 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 no. You have Langston Galloway, mm-hmm. Etoon Moore, Abdul Nader. These are professional basketball players, Jay Crowder. These guys who have played multiple systems, have been punched in the face in the playoffs, have learned experiences, and these are guys that are going to teach. They are teachers on the court. And now what do we have? We have a Sun team that just railroaded the Knicks without Devin Booker for two-thirds of that game who chipped in at the right time. This is what we're talking about. You can gamble, yes, but gamble on the right kind of people that makes you a team, not a collection of stars and promising young talent.
0: And the great thing about it is is that the way the money is looking, Chris Paul can definitely opt in to that $44 million next year, and it's not going to hurt Phoenix because they have Devin Booker oh, oh, already locked oh. up. They have all their youngsters locked up on their rookie deals. Michael Bridges won't be due for a few years. They sent Jalen Smith, the number ten pick, to the G League. I mean, that's they're planning for the future here, you know, because they know that we have DeAndre, we have DeAndre Ayton, and we love DeAndre. But if we have Jalen Smith running up behind him, we might be able to scare some people with those two bigs following each other. Not, not
1: just that, but boy, did Jones read COVID perfectly.
0: Yes. The fact of
1: the matter is. We're having a situation where a lot of these teams are top-heavy, like the Lakers or even the Heat, where they're relying on two or three guys and the minute one of those dudes goes down, it completely collapses. We're seeing it with the Lakers with Anthony Davis, we're seeing it with the Heat in terms of just
0: not being able to get Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. on the floor long-term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These, this sun team runs 10 people deep. Yeah, they do. They can do
1: matchups based on health, matchups based on rotation. The fact is, they can sit down send a guy like Jalen Smith to the to the bench. They can give a guy like a Kaminsky 25 minutes one day and then bench him the next day. And these guys are professional. They'll recognize that. And they will step up the next time they're called upon. Because this team is so deep that God forbid there's a COVID outbreak. Well, guess right. Guess what? Campaign is willing to step up. Yeah. Dario Saric is willing to step up. The Cal Bridge will go from being the number four option to the number three or two. Uh, It's truly a wonderful read of the market, of the world around him, and we're seeing the teams that are thriving are the defense teams right now, and the teams that allocated
0: money and assets the wrong way are taking a bit of a hit. Definitely. Phoenix is currently um, standing at second in the Western Conference behind Utah. Um, I I still don't trust Utah. I love Donovan Mitchell and and Rudy. I still don't trust them. Um, They can play the Warriors in the first round, and the Warriors can end up beating them you know um phoenix is sitting um like i said number two the lakers i think they're going to go down a little bit they're going to rest anthony davis probably until right before maybe a month before the playoffs the clippers to still have things to prove the spurs are starting to creep up a little bit and that's a little bit surprising um and i'm loving that denver i don't know what's going on with them i have so much expectations for them um But the West is just pretty tough, and and I think that that Western Conference playoffs, especially with the three or the two additional teams that they're going to add, going to a 10-team format, I'm looking forward to those playoffs.
1: ...battle. Just uh, just an absolute battle, like we expected. Um, And uh, I don't know if there's a clear winner right now. I think the Lakers were the obvious favorites, but... They are so much more flawed than I could have expected. Right. And I know I don't want to draw any conclusions right now because they're missing Anthony Davis. But when LeBron James is the best player on that team and he needs to play 38 minutes tonight, he just looks gassed. Right. He's putting up minutes, but this team is, is bleeding. You know, they are hemorrhaging right now from all areas and they can't shoot. They can't shoot at all. Right. And the fact is, they made a concerted decision to focus on guys like Montrezl Harrell and Marcus Gasol to be a little stronger on the interior, both offensive, offensively and defensively. And uh, then they gave a lot of money to KCP, whose regrets. And what do they have other than Wesley Matthews, who just can't buy a basket? Right. It's a big problem. And yet, at the end of the day, come playoff team times, they're going to have the two best players, two of the top five players in the game. And that's a wrap right there in terms of being competitive. Yes, it is. Uh, the Jazz... The Jazz are wonderful, but once again, that is a team with no definitive superstar. They are a bit older than everybody else, and there is no easy way for them to get better. They've got a lot of money on the books. They don't have a lot of books. Uh, a lot of books. No, no, no. They don't have a lot of picks, and their main asset right now is probably Azabuque, who has a very debilitating injury. And yes. is not going to play that much. Yeah. That's a lot of trouble in terms of a trade deadline team because really all they can do is probably trade Mike Conley for pieces. And Mike Conley is playing awesome
0: basketball. No. And you can't get better without no. getting worse. No no, no, no one, no one wants Jacks. Mike Conley. Maybe the Clippers, but that's about it. Only one of those teams wants Mike Conley.
1: That that Clippers team, uh, they are woefully unclutch. The reason that they are good is because Terrence Mann is playing a little bit better than we
0: expected. Mm-hmm.
1: Reggie Jackson's playing pretty good. He's allowing them to offset the fact that Lucas Kennard has been a waste of money.
0: Definitely. It was a horrible
1: financial commitment to extend it before you knew what you got. And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, as good as they are, when you look at their clutch statistics, it is unreasonable to think that this team is any different than the team that got bounced out last year. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of question marks in the right now in terms of those teams we're talking about, in terms of the Nuggets, the fact that the Nuggets, Nicole Jokic is the, MVP, the NBA MVP in my mind, the fact that Jamal Murray has put it all together... That's the team that, if they want, can take that big swing that you and I are talking about. And frankly, probably should if the West doesn't get any better. Because right now, if you want me to tier the NBA, it's, uh, it's the Nets. You take a big breath, you look at the Lakers and the Clippers, and it's not that far for that third tier.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely right. Sean, I appreciate you, man um we're gonna join us next time when we i think we're gonna do our bracket our march madness brackets on our next episode and i'm looking forward to that buddy absolutely uh, folks just get ready for
1: a lot of unnecessary Yukon talk do your research guys because that's that's
0: gonna be all i'm talking about for an hour and a half that's definitely book night is all he's gonna talk <laughs> about you guys so can't wait to hear that so thanks it. thanks it's sean here. again i appreciate you absolutely it's been a pleasure Thanks again, Sean, for pulling up today, talking basketball and life. Some new news is coming across the wire, but Sean and I will talk about that on our next episode. Thanks again, everyone, for supporting us. You can follow us at Front Office GM on Instagram. We'll see you soon.